Well, hey, good morning, church family. Happy Senior Sunday. Um, this is just a great time. My name is Stephen Walker. I'm the Yak Minister here. Uh, Chris, our preaching minister, is out of town this weekend. He's actually starting a new series next week, so please come back for that. Um, but hey, I wanted to, to spend the first time uh, just honoring some of our YAC graduates. Um, we've had some remarkable people in our YAC ministry uh, graduate college, graduate graduate school, and so I just wanted to recognize them. And so if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask that you please stand when I call your name. Uh, I did this as a joke because she does not like to be seen uh, in public, but Tori Northcutt um, is our first graduate this morning. She graduated back in December. Uh, UTC with a bachelor's in early childhood development. Um, she is currently in grad school at Richmond University to study counseling, and so I'm um, really excited about her future there. Uh, Grant Stafford um, also graduated back in December uh, in 2020 with a UTC with a bachelor's in business administration, and he is actually working here at TVA right now. Uh, Kate Sons has uh, graduated back uh, right here in May at UTC with a bachelor's in biochemistry. She's going to med school in the fall. Um, she's going to be a doctor one day. Uh, Ross Wortman, who just got uh, done with communion, and did a great job. Thank you, Ross. Uh, he graduated in May at UTK up in Knoxville with a bachelor's in mathematics, and he's actually going to be right here at Boyd Buchanan. Too. Hey, you keep standing. Come on now. You graduated from college. It's a beautiful thing, Ross. Be celebrated. Uh, Matthew Mercer graduated in May at ETSU uh, with a bachelor's in corporate finance. He's also moving back here um, and working at um, some finance firm, uh, Northwestern Mutual, I believe. Uh, Matt Kahn graduated in May at, from Harding University with a bachelor in Bible and ministry. And if you know Mac, he's just going to go west somewhere and figure it out. That's what he does. I don't, I don't know. I wish I could do that too. Uh, Holly Guthrie graduated in May from UTC with a doctorate in physical therapy. She did that with a kid um, in, her, in her arms, and so that's very impressive. Her and Josh just had their first baby, baby Leo, and so she's going to be a phenomenal physical therapist, along with Kelsey Wortman, who graduated this May at Brunel. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not with the laughter. Uh, university with also a doctorate in physical therapy. So let's give one more hand uh, for our graduates. There are some phenomenal people at our church, and so we're excited to see uh, what the future has in store for them. You know, as, as I was preparing uh, for this lesson this Sunday, I, I kind of treated it as if, if we have one thing as a church to share with our graduates who are moving on. You know, some of them are moving on to college somewhere else. Some of them are moving on to college here in town. Some of them are going to another school after they graduated. Some of them are entering the workforce. Some of them are going to a trade school. What would be the one thing that our church family want to, want to present to them, want to show them before they head off to this new journey, this new life that is beginning right now. You know, I thought about my time going off to, to Chattanooga. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and I remember all this advice that I was given on, on our senior Sunday, but one of the biggest things that stuck out with me was when I was at my grandparents' house. It was the day before I left for college. I'm, I'm sitting with my grandparents, and I'm saying, man, I'm excited to go to UTC. We got a water slide. We got a, a wave pool. We got a 40-person hot tub. We're going camping. We're going to go hiking. I'm going to join the fishing club. It's going to be so amazing. But what I didn't notice was my grandma's just white face of fear because I was not mentioning anything that had to do with school. I, and quite frankly, I wasn't thinking about it either. And so I remember as I'm just done with all this energy and excitement, 
of going into this new town and starting this new life, my grandma, she looks at me and she says, well, son, don't forget why you're there. And, and, and very often, I forgot why I was there. Um, as, as apology to my parents who are watching, I, I did not do the greatest in school, yet here I am. But uh, what I did hear from those words was something I believe from the Holy Spirit to remind us as Jesus followers that we're here for a purpose. And oftentimes we can, can forget that purpose and we can forget why we're here. And I think why we're here comes out of John 13 when he says in verse 34, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you so that you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If, if we can pass on anything to our graduates this morning, if we can send you off with anything to remember, just know that God loves you and that we are called to love others. We have a purpose in this life to love others. But, but what is love? Right? Because I'm sure a lot of you are singing that song by Hathaway that, you know, what is love? Come on. No? Well, I was singing it. <laughs> it was written back in the 90s, and you're thinking, okay, what is love? What is love? But, but seriously, what is love? What does this word love mean? And when you think about love, what do you think about? Okay, so I have a couple things, right? Uh, first one's my dog, Wrigley. This is, uh, this, this is my son here. Um, he's a beautiful dog. I love him. He's crazy. He, he runs my world, but I love him. Um, the, the second one is I love nature. Uh, this is at Zion National Park. That is beautiful. I, I, just, I could stare at that all day long. I, I love to be in nature. Um, I love to hike. I love to camp. The third one is I love pizza. And this is the most gorgeous one of all. I mean, this is in Chicago. Um, I've sworn off any other pizza besides this pizza because it is beautiful and amazing. And, and I cannot get enough of it. Even though I'm not in Chicago, I hope to be there again soon. But in more seriousness, I love God. I love my family, my mom and dad, my brother, my sister, my grandparents. I love this church family. You know, I love my friends. I, I love just to be around people. I love to worship. I love scripture. And so, so it's the same love that I have for pizza, the same love that I have for God. I, I sure hope not. And, and I think we, we th this is kind of the problem, right? I mean, Hadaway had it right when he said, what is love back in 93? I mean, we, we get so confused with what love is. I mean, we'll say things like, I love pizza and I love God, and, and we just dilute it. What the words of Jesus says when he says to love others like ourselves. And in the process, we lose what Jesus is commanding us to be. And so I'd like to go back to that verse that Connor read for us. And kind of look at this and what, what God says about love and what Jesus says about love. And so we're going to be in uh, the Sermon on the Mount this morning in Matthew chapter 5 where Connor was. And, and, and if you know this and if you've read this, you're like, whew, this is scary. Right? Because he, he's going up to this mountain. Okay, and, and it's so cool because Moses, you have this parallel of Moses going up to Mount Sinai to receive the law from God. And now you have in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus going up as God, giving his law. But it's a different type of law than what's in the Old Testament. It's a law written on our hearts. It's a law that's meant to fulfill what everything is all about, which is loving God and loving his creation. And these things are hard. Right? I mean, he, he says things in chapter 5 like, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And e even looking at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart. Or, or that you shouldn't even be angry at someone. And do not resist an evil person if she or she lashes out at you. In fact, whatever that person is doing, 
asked to, if they need to do more of it. You know, I mean, and you're hearing this and you're reading this. And if you're reading through this, you're like, okay, surely there's going to be a catch at some point, right? Like surely Jesus is going to soften the blow, but he just doubles down. It's beautiful. He just doubles down in Matthew 5 and in 43 he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love, if you love who's the, who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And, and you read that, and you're just like, man, like there's no chance, right? Like that is hard. And, and it strikes at our core, but, but we don't even realize what that word loving is, right? Like we, we just say, okay, loving our enemies, what does that mean? And, and Ross said it best, what, what the love he's using there is the Greek word agape. And agape is something more than just loving pizza and ice cream or dogs and, and nature. It's a love that God has for his creation and we are to have for him. And, and agape love is a love built on the action and the attitudes of looking out for the well-being of others. It's so much more than just an, a feeling or an emotion that we have. It, it's the attitude. It's this, it's this idea that, okay, I'm always thinking about how I can actively seek out the well-being of people. And Jesus says to love this way for your enemies and your friends. And so when he's saying this, he's, he's not saying to love an enemy from afar, right? He's not saying to, to passively love someone. You see, I can, I can love pizza, but, but if I don't want to eat pizza, I don't have to eat pizza. And if I don't like a particular type of pizza, I don't have to eat it anymore. If there's a sp specific place that I don't like, loopies, I don't have to go there anymore. There you go, Sean. He doesn't like, he loves loopies. But that's not what agape love is all about. So, so, so when I read someone on, on Facebook post something that just bothers me, right? Which, which we all do. And, and I see that, that one person who got the job instead of me. Or when I see someone, that, that person who hurt one of my friends, my, my agape for them. My, my attitude and my action of seeking their well-being far outweighs any personal justice or personal vengeance that I may have for them. It's such a deep, a deep spiritual love. It's like when you look at someone, agape love, you look at them and no matter what circumstance, you see them how our Father sees them. You see them as his children who are created to be loved and to love. And it's all about the heart. And, and, and you hear that and you say, okay, I might be able to do that. But then what Jesus is telling to these people, he's telling them to a group of Jews who are being oppressed by a Roman empire. I mean, I mean, they are just broken down and beaten. A few verses back up, he says that if when a Roman soldier comes to you and demands that you carry his, his, his stuff, you know, his shield, his armor, whatever, a mile, he says, go with them two miles. He, he says, show them love. Or, or that when someone slaps you in the face, which is one of the highest forms of disrespect, right? You turn the other cheek and you offer it to them also. I mean, th this is just so hard. And, and I, I just can't help but feel defeated that I just do not live up to this. And, and I think that's what's kind of wrong with, with when missing in our church communities. And, you know, we have 
conversations about this all day, right? We have a doctrinal problem. We have a theology problem. We have a location problem, a size problem, a culture problem. But I think what these all boils down to is that the church has a love problem. The church has a love problem. We, we, we pick and choose, right? We, we, we love what is easy. Um, we, we love who, who love us. We, you know, whatever, whatever capacity, right? Whether it be something as big as someone, you know, suing your family or, or going through a divorce or something as little as a bad attitude, we turn away from them. We close off the gates and we keep from loving them. And then even sometimes we encourage our friends and family to do the same. And it's evil and it's wrong. And it's one of our biggest struggles. And, and you know, the, the biblical writers, the Old Testament uh, people who wrote the Old Testament, they talk about it in Jonah. And when we think of Jonah, right, we think of a fish. And we think of these people worshiping God in Nineveh, right? Like it's this amazing story where Jonah like is told to, hey, go to Nineveh and, and, and preach good news. And Jonah's like, no, I'm going to go the opposite way. And he goes to this place called Tarshish. But on the way, he, he gets thrown overboard of this boat. He gets swallowed up by a fish. And three days later, he's sorry. And he goes and, and preaches the good news. And everything's great. And we love Jonah. And we love Nineveh. Hooray! But that's not exactly how the story goes. You know, Jonah does go to Nineveh, right? Like all that stuff happens. But, but he, he boils down his, hey, Nineveh is about to be overthrown by God. He boils it down to a five-word sermon that's translated to 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, now imagine if Chris got up here every week and was like, 40 more days and America will be overthrown. I mean, you, you probably stopped coming here, right? It's not inspiring. We're not calling people to something greater. It's just like the bare minimum of, okay, this is what's going to happen and, and that's it. But, but God works even when we do not want to. And, and the response is unbelievable. An entire city, the entire city of Nineveh, the animals too, they're fasting, they're praying, they're worshiping God. It's beautiful. But, but, but Jonah's response is this in, in chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That that, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better to me to die than to live. Just, just imagine if God calls you to, to a city like Los Angeles, right? And he's saying, okay, go and preach the good news there. And you go and do that. And then the entire city starts worshiping and praising God. And everyone starts turning to God and believing to God. Would this be your response? <laughs> I hope not. But th this is what Jonah's response is. Because Jonah saw the Ninevites as an enemy. You know, he was so angry and felt so wrong that Jonah would rather be dead than see his enemies turn to God and believe in God. And if you notice here, the, the reason why Jonah fled to Tarshish was not because he feared the Ninevites. It's because he feared what God would do in that city through him. He feared that the God would keep his commands, keep his promises to all people. So, so Jonah is not just about a fish. 
And it's not just about this city being turning to God and believing in God. It's about a representative of Yahweh, an ambassador to the nations, almost like an ambassador to Christ, who is angry with God because he loves his enemies. And so, so do you look like Jonah, or do you look like Jesus? Or as Chris said a few weeks ago, do you smell like Jesus, or do you smell like Jonah? Be, be, because one limited God's love for himself, and the other gave it all to the world. Jesus says in Matthew 5.45 that his father causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, Jesus understands through weather patterns that, that so that the sun doesn't pick and choose what it rises or falls on and the rain doesn't pick and choose what it, what it falls on, so God does not pick and choose who he loves. He doesn't pick and choose. God doesn't have a registry of who has sinned more or less or measures out love based on who does what. You know, he's not here with scales, you know, tipping off the scales. Okay, this is how much love you get. This is how much you get. He gives and he gives and he gives all his love and his heart to all people. And he's a God who's rich in love. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He, he has compassion on all he has made. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Amen? Amen? This is beautiful. Our God is not a God of vengeance or destruction. He's a God who's rich in love, a God who's compassionate, a God who satisfies the desires of everything, every living thing. He, he, he doesn't just love who his chosen are. He doesn't just love who, who worship him or love who obey him or love who follow him. He loves every living thing. And, and King Jesus commands that you love the way he loves because God's love has no boundaries. There is nothing that can stop the loyal love, loyal love of God. No boundary, no border, no race, no religion, no country, no political group, no enemy. It flows and it flows and it flows from his throne room out of all to the earth. So does God's love stop with you? Or does God's love flow through you? Do you look like Jesus or Jonah? When, when you examine your life and your friends and, and the enemies that you have, does his love stop with you or spread through you? There, there's no middle ground, right? Either you're like a pump that brings the love of God into the world overflowing, or, or you're like a plug that keeps the world from experiencing the love of God. And church, now is the time to decide. Because there's two kingdoms. And Jesus speaks of these two kingdoms right in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout his life. One kingdom is built on a rock. That kingdom is built on humility, empathy, righteousness, mercy, peace, oath-keeping, justice, giving, prayer, selflessness, purity, contentment, fairness, truth, and most of all, love. The other kingdom is built on sand. It's built on pride, selfishness, Anger, lust, lying, oath-keeping, vengeance, hatred, greed, 
self-reliance, hoarding, worry, judging, and deception. One of these kingdoms will be washed away and destroyed. The, the other kingdom will be lifted up and exalted forever and ever and ever. You know, if you ever wonder what this, this other kingdom, the, the one built on a rock, looks like, Paul, Paul gives us uh, a beautiful glimpse in, in 1 Corinthians 13. We, we consider it the love chapter, right? And so you can go back and read the, the love chapter, um, but I want to just give you the, the last verse out of it. He says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah, do you ever wonder, like, why he says the, the greatest is love? Like, isn't faith what gives us our salvation? Isn't, isn't faith, like, unlocking the door to heaven? And isn't it a beautiful thing? Aren't we rewarded for our faith? And hope, like, aren't we supposed to hope and believe the promises to come, that, that God's going to come back one day and, and just, re, just re-encourage heaven and earth united again? It, don't we hope for that? So, so why is love greater than those two? Because one day there will be no need for faith. You know, when we see Jesus and all his glory and all his splendor, we, we'll believe, we'll see it, we'll, we'll be in the presence of it. We need no need for faith. And, and one day there will be no hope because every promise, every covenant, every beautiful and good thing will be fulfilled. The whole world will be new and good and there will be nothing to hope for because everything will be good. But what will be overflowing from the throne room of God, all the way down those streets of gold, up till the city gates and going out, will be God's loyal and compassionate love. And, and nothing will stop it. Nothing can stand against it. Nothing can keep you from it. Nothing can ever come close to the loyal love of God for his people and his people as everyone who has ever been and ever will be to come. God has created every little thing. And so it, when I read these words of Jesus, and they're so hard, right? Like they're, they're, they're so, how do I love an enemy? How do I actively pursue and, and have the attitude of looking out for my enemy? You know, when someone slaps me in the face, in whatever way I consider it, right? How, how do I love them? How, how do I change my heart? Well, I think that's the first step, right? Because the beauty of these lessons that Jesus is, is that this guilt and this, this kind of like, oh, I can't do this is only the first step. And so, so there's two ways, right? Uh, you know, I, you can respond in this way, right? Um, you can allow the words of Jesus to convict you into pursuit of seeking out the well-being of all living things, changing the way you see people and do how our Father sees them as children, who need to be loved. Or you, or you can continue to live in this comfortability and be your own measuring scale of who receives love and who doesn't, right? You know, you know parceling out, okay, who's getting this love? Who is getting that love? But, but let me tell you, one way is easy, one way is hard, but one way leads to the Garden of Eden being reunited and one will be casted out into the wilderness. Man, there, there's a new way to love right now. And so, so if you're ready to commit to that, if you're ready to commit to a new way to love that, that you've never experienced or shared before, we just want you to be baptized and believe and, and profess your faith before us. If you've been a follower all your life and you admit that, that you haven't lived up to this, which all of us haven't, 
and you feel convicted and you're like, man, I, I haven't given people this loyal love of God. I haven't given people the love that God gives me freely and openly and for all time, everlastingly. Man, we, we're going to have elders in a prayer room. Uh, you, you can at, you know, do a text or prayer request thing that we got going on. You, you can find someone in our church family to, to pray for you and pray with you. And, and let's do whatever we can to start loving people the right way. You know, for, the, for those of you that hear these words but, but feel unworthy, to receive God's love. And you don't feel like you've, you've done enough, right? Like you see yourself as this kind of measuring stick and you just constantly fall short and you constantly mess up and you constantly feel like God lo- God's love is not for you. Man, we, we just ask that you change that thought and that you read these words of Jesus who is a creator of all things, who, who created all things and, and create, will create all things to come and is the king of the universe and you hear these words and be convicted by the Holy Spirit to believe that you are loved. And God loves you more. He, he won't love you any more than he does right now because it's not possible. And so we ask that you feel this love this morning. And it always pours out to you and it is always for you. And so my prayer is that you not only accept it but experience it. You know, to our graduates um, who, whose life is literally beginning now, right? Like some of you might be staying here, but it's going to be different, okay? There's a new life beginning now. I want you to know something that God loves you. God loves you so much and believes in you and will always love you. It, it doesn't matter what you do in these next four or five, six, whatever years of college, of, of life, what relationships you have, what, what paths you choose to go down, God loves you and loves you and loves you more than anything. And so believe it and accept it. Man, it's going to be a great time. Like, it, it's going to be phenomenal. I remember going to college. My freshman year was the best. I had a 2.0 GPA my first semester, but I survived. Grace of God, amen. And here I am. But it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be an amazing time. For those who are graduating college, it's amazing. No more study, no more homework, unless you're going to grad school. No more of that. You can just work and go home and just chill. It's awesome. But don't forget that God loves you and he calls you to love all his people. Not just your friend, but your foes. Not just the people you know, but the people you don't know. Citizen or foreigner, friend or foe, oppressed and oppressor, God calls us to this new love that is like nothing the world has ever seen. And don't forget that the world will know who you are by how you love. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Father, I I pray that the Spirit of God will show your love right now in this room and online who are watching us at home. I I pray your, your agape love, your loyal love, your eternal love that you have for your creation, which is all people, no matter what they've done to you, no matter that, what they've done against you, no matter if they worship you or not, whether they follow you or not, they, they are loved by you, God. And so I just ask that you fill us with your love so that we can give to others. God, for, for some in this room, they, they feel guilty. They feel convicted. They, they feel like these words of Jesus have just put pressure on them. But so God, we, we thank you for that because that's a good thing. And so we ask that they respond by pursuing you, by pursuing your love for you, and pursuing the love of, your, of you for your children. God, for those in this room who don't feel loved, man, we just pray that your spirit be with them right now. 
that your love surround them, that they are just convicted and just filled up to the brim with the love that you have for them, that you open their eyes to your love for them. God, may you use us for your kingdom. Father, convict us to bring your kingdom of love and grace and compassion here on this earth. Father, for the graduates of 2021 and of 2020, we just, we say thank you. God, we thank you for, for knowing them, for seeing their talents and their skills and their abilities, and we're so excited to see what's going to happen in these next few years. God, it's a new life for them, a fresh start, a, a new purpose, a new beginning. So God, we just pray that of all things, whatever they're hearing what from, from whoever, I pray that you put on your heart, on their hearts, that you love them and that you call them to love everyone who you created. God, we love you. We thank you. Father, please, just from this room, we pray that we, we go out and we share your love and we be a pump that just pumps out your love to the world. We thank you, God. May we worship you with all of our love, all of our hearts. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.